0: Another day, another dollar, makes you wonder where your money went. Folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough or even if they don't. Dictated is almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. This is episode 186. Today is Thursday, April 23rd, 2008. The date shouldn't be that important if you're listening to this show way out in the future because it's going to be kind of a timeless topic. This is going to actually be a show that I did in the very, very beginning, before I even used to put numbers on the episodes. Uh, and it's about teaching children lifelong lessons with gardening. Uh, Shannon Appleby, who's been great to the show, has asked me to do something, you know, in the near term here, to get people fired up about becoming new gardeners. And as I thought about, well, what what am I going to do to make that happen, I thought back to when I talked about this subject initially and thought, you know, to me, if you're a parent. Or or a grandparent or even an uncle or an aunt that has you know your, your your nephews and nieces over there's very few things in the world if you love those kiddos that can get you fired up like being able to impact their lives forever and that's what we're going to talk about today on that note I've gotten a few emails recently uh, about people that say that my head is in the sand and that I shouldn't be talking about Alex Jones as being way out there and I need to pay attention to some of these conspiracy theories because they're not really conspiracy theories and on and on and on and there's chemtrails in the sky and they're going to kill us all and you know what folks that's what I'm going to talk about tomorrow so if you have ever just wanted to know what I think about things like the 9-11 truthers and uh, the chemtrails in the sky and the uh, the Illuminati and the 33rd degree Masons and, and all that other hoopla. Peak oil and how it's all involved. Tune in tomorrow. And I'm going to warn you, tomorrow's show, I'm going to start out way up in the air. And I'm going to go higher and higher all the way through it. You're going to hear me at my absolute ranting best tomorrow. And that's why I can't even begin to speak on one of these subjects today. Because this is a deep somewhat spiritual, emotional, compassionate topic about changing the lives of children. So I'm going to be a totally different person tomorrow. I'm warning you 24 hours in advance, because I was told some of your new listeners may not be able to handle you when you're all up like that. Okay, well if you're a new listener and you're not ready for it, I want you to go back and listen to an old show tomorrow. Don't listen to tomorrow's show because I am coming out on frickin' fire tomorrow. Alright, you've been warned, you've been told. House cleaning. Uh, Number one, if you think you get more than 25 cents in value per episode, consider joining the Members Support Brigade. There will be a link in today's show notes, and there's a banner on my site to join the Members Support Brigade. If you do that, you'll get content exclusively available only to members. Also, consider visiting our sponsors on the site. These sponsors are personally vetted by me and by the moderators. The moderator staff on the forum gets to decide whether I'm allowed to accept the, the advertiser or not. Today's featured advertiser of the day, Emergency Essentials, they have some really Cool stuff. Go by the, the uh, site, check them out. The SurvivalPodcast.com. Click on the banner for Emergency Essentials and take a look at some of the stuff that they're offering. Uh, additionally, I will be in Way Texas area uh, around the end of May, actually um, uh, Labor Day weekend. Dan Tanner's put together a Region Five get together. Come one, come all. Uh, there is no cost unless you want to eat the food that Dan's providing. And there's information in a forum thread. There'll be a link to that. Dirt Time 09 from Wilderness Way, San Bernard California, last week of August, me and 14 other survival experts talking about various skills, from me talking about permaculture and survival gardening, to some of these guys talking about bow making, bronze forging, you name it. Primitive skills, advanced you know, uh, advanced skills, a new survival mentality, it's all there. Check it out. Details in the link on the forum. And let's leave the uh, house cleaning there done, and let's move on to today's topic. And even with the intro and the house cleaning, that took only four minutes. All right, so what I'm going to talk about today, again, is teaching children lifelong lessons from gardening, not really just teaching children how to garden or what to garden or how to get kids involved. That's all going to be here, too. But it's about how you can use that experience to not just plant seeds in the soil, but plant seeds in the heart of a child that maybe won't even germinate for 10 years. Maybe they won't realize what they've learned until years later when they're faced with one of those tough decisions that you're faced with as a young adult. And they might even make the right decision because of what you've taught them, and they still might not even know why they did that. It might take them another 10 years to remember what you taught them. It's a lot about what I was talking about yesterday in my lessons from the Aguan River Valley podcast and what it was like living with those primitive people and how the things that I learned at 19 I wasn't able to articulate till I was 30. And you can do the same thing with a 6-year-old, a 7-year-old, an 8-year-old. And some of the things that I learned as a young child gardening with my grandfather same thing, I didn't really get them until I was 30 years old, but they were influencing my life all the way along. I want to talk to you today about how to use something as simple as planting seeds in the earth to do just that with your children. I also want to, like, I did this show, like you said, very, very long time ago, and I want to expand something into it, because there's something that I get a lot of questions about. How do I instill the values that you talk about in my child? And not just the values like so, you know, responsibility and stuff like that, but of being a modern survivalist or being a prepper. How do I make them understand that taking some of what you have and putting it away is important? How do I teach them modern versions of grasshopper and the ant? How do I make sure that those things stay with them? And I've done shows on this, you know, dedicated. And some of the things I've said is you do what you can do, and then you have to let go. And then you have to trust that the the, the character and that young man or young lady is so strong that the lessons you've taught, while they may seem to go away, and they may do some dumb things as a kid like we all did, and we have to remember that we did those stupid things too, and we have to be willing to let them fall down once in a while and know we've made them strong enough to stand up. Why? You do. I want you to think about this. How would this be if most Americans maybe they weren't calling themselves preppers, right? They weren't calling themselves survivalists. They still thought we were a little wacky over here. But if most Americans understood that they needed to be concerned about food and water beyond tomorrow and beyond the systems of support that currently deliver them to their homes, if most Americans understood that it was a good thing to be self-sufficient and. And at least tried to get there, if most Americans knew how to have a plan and put a plan in place to deal with situations when they went wrong, if most Americans valued the the word responsible the way that our grandparents did, and if most Americans simply understood that what they did matters, what kind of a different world would we have? And would you feel that you've been a successful parent? If by the time your son or daughter was 18 years of age and going off on their own to college or life, they were carrying at least that much inside their inner soul, their inner being. If you answered yes, please pay attention to what I'm about to talk to you about. The way I did this before, and I'm going to do it the same way again as I broke this down, I broke down 10 crops Ten plants. I said, here's individual plants and how you can use them to teach children five lessons. Here's how they apply it to that. Here's what to do. Here's the message to give them. And then I had five more lessons that we learned from gardening in general. Overall. And what I said then and what I'll say now, do not this is this is simple, simple life lessons. But it's very, very deep. And if you think about it, the most simple things that we learn are the deepest, longest lasting things that we learn. Though it sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. And I think you'll understand me by the time I get to the end of today's show. So with that in mind, I want to prepare you right now. When you start teaching these lessons to your children or to your nieces or to your grandchildren or your nephew or what have you, or if you're a school teacher and you put a garden in your school, which is a great thing to do. Don't try to teach the kids all of these things at once. Each day, take one and reinforce it. And hopefully you spend a lifetime, at least not really a lifetime, but the entire childhood with that child. And if you do it over season after season after season, you'll plant these seeds of values in them. So the first crops that I think are good to grow with children, that I think teach a very valuable lesson, are radishes and the various greens, like lettuces, spinaches, very fast-growing plants. You take this little radish seed you put it in the ground, 28 days you got radishes you can pick. Now, radish isn't the best thing to eat for a lot of people. I don't like radishes. But when I'm gardening with kids, I still grow some. Even if they don't like them, they'll give them away. And we'll talk about giving them away in a bit. It's the speed at which they grow. And then planting things like lettuce and stuff like that, it grows just about as fast. You know, 30, 40 days, and it's big enough to start taking cuttings off and eat. The reason that this is important is, you know, when you start out with a kid, and you're taking them outside and you're planting things in the ground and you know, seven days later there's this tiny little shoot just barely coming up and oh, they're bored. right? It hasn't happened fast enough. So you need to prime the pump, some, so to speak, and take them out, plant a few radish seeds and maybe let them, you let them wander with their minds and do whatever they do and play Nintendo for a week or two. But in two weeks, you're over halfway there. You don't even crank out a second mortgage payment and radishes are ready to harvest. And they can pull that radish out of the ground and see that great big red radish and realize they created it. They made it happen. And that teaches a very important lesson that's getting lost on our children. Actions have consequences. To put it another way, what you do now matters. And often matters very quickly. Even if it doesn't look like it's going to matter, that little white lie that you think will go away may not. That thing you saw a friend do that you know was bad for them, that you think will just go away, may not, and it may come back and it may hit you between the eyes very, very soon. This is a life lesson from something as simple as a lettuce or a radish seed. And it can be taught with a radish better than with a veggie tail. Or all these little cutesy documentaries and all this crap on TV and all these these books that whiny liberal you know, whack jobs right about oh the puppy shares with the kitty, you know, and the puppy doesn't share with the kitty. Animals are greedy. It's not reality. Humans have the capacity for generosity. And what you do matters. And you can learn that from something as simple as a lettuce seed or a radish seed. The next thing that I think you should plant with kids, and it's a this is a great crop to plant because one, the seeds are big. And it's easy for them to plant the seeds because they're so large. And that's that's like a, a mechanical reason this is good, but there's a deep lesson here. And this crop is beans and peas, any kind of a legume. Now, the beauty of these is they grow very vigorously as long as it's warm out. You plant beans, and, I mean, they're going to grow. I mean, you have to have the worst soil in the world to not be able to grow a bean. If you can't grow a bean, something is wrong. You've either got, it's way too wet because it's raining too much, or you've got severe soil problems. You can almost grow a bean damn near in sand. Right? Not quite, but damn close. So when you plant that bean, though, what are you teaching them? Well, see, the thing about a bean, any legume, when you plant that, you don't have to worry about nitrogen. You might have to give them a little bit of compost or a little bit of fertilizer initially until they get going. But once they get going, all legumes, even clover, can basically pull nitrogen out of our atmosphere. And they put it down into the ground, and they create little nodules of nitrogen in their root system. And by the time that that plant's done growing, there's all these little nodules of nitrogen down. Hold on, folks. I'm going to try to get away from this truck that wants to shadow me and make all this background noise. Anyway, there's all these little nodules of nitrogen down there in the ground and when you plant another crop it can use the nitrogen that was produced by the beans and the peas so what we learn by that is how plant systems help each other how there's symbiotic nature to life to how that plant that you think is just not really very important if you kill it you may also kill other plants around it that the actions you take again have a consequence beyond what's immediately visible to you. That there's an interdependence of systems in the world. And again, this stuff is deep. And each one of these lessons breaks down into tons of little micro-lessons. You have to teach these to a kid to keep them interested. One at a time. One per day. But if you do it over a lifetime... It stays with them. It shapes the way they view the world, and it will lead to that type of person that we talked about in the beginning. Then the next three, I'll have one big lesson for me. Um, These are tomatoes, squash, and peppers. And with kids, I really recommend when you you really plant with kids with these crops, go out and buy a few plants. Especially, even if you're starting your own, you have smaller ones, go buy some really big ones that are almost ready to go, especially the peppers and the tomatoes, because they they tend to take a very long time. And again, especially the first year you garden with a child, you want to keep them interested. But you plant these plants... And the thing about peppers, the thing about tomatoes, the thing about squash, especially summer squash like yellow yellow squash and zucchinis and other things like that. And now they're trying to rear end me, folks. Ah, this is a heck of a day on the road. Anyway, those types of things produce so much that almost even a few plants produce more than a single family can actually use. And when I grew up in Pennsylvania, for instance, man, we would plant like, uh, I think we planted around 18 to 22 tomato plants, somewhere in that range every year. And by the end of the season, when they would really go into full production, even with making chow chow relish and barbecue sauce and and, uh, tomato sauce and canning and jarring and all that other stuff, there was no way we were going to use all of them. I used to think, why do we plant so many? God, look at them. They're, all, they're green ones all over the top of the refrigerator out in the shanty, ripening in the window. We're never going to eat all these. My grandmother's never going to use them all. And then, you know, when I was old enough to, to walk up the road by myself, all of the extras would go into a bag, and she'd write on one bag, guastitian, which was my great-uncle that was an older older couple that lived right up the road and really didn't garden anymore, and she'd write on another one, Boretsky. That was another family, you know, kind of old and and not really able to produce, you know, and, and all these names, and she would write on these bags, and she would hand them to me and say, take them, you know where these people live, take them up there, and I would go and I would deliver these bags of groceries to these people. And, you know, they a lot of times they might go, you know, do you need rhubarb or do you need some raspberries? Here's a bucket. Go down, you know, go down and pick raspberries. Eat as many as you want. We have too many of those this year. And we would end up kind of bartering, but it was never really bartered because it wasn't I'll give you this if you give me that. It was just everybody sharing the abundance of what they had. And we, I learned the importance of taking care of other members of our community, especially older members that can no longer take care of themselves because of crops like peppers, squash, and tomatoes. And you can teach your children the same thing. And it doesn't even have to be a great big bag. It doesn't have to be this little mini farm like we had when I was growing up in the coal region. It could be four or five plants, you know, in a four-by-four four garden. But you take your six-year-old and you put a great big, the best tomato you have. You know, give the best, make it a sacrifice. Make them understand, this is the best one we have, but we're not going to keep it for ourselves. We're going to go give it to Mrs. Whoever at the end of the road. Put that tomato in that kid's hand. Walk them over there. Ring the doorbell with them. Stand at their side and have them hand that tomato over to an older member of your community and say, we brought this for you. Watch the kid's face beam. When that person beams that that kid brought it to them. And then you can go home and you can throw out some of your DVDs or give them to Goodwill. You can throw out some of your storybooks or give them to Goodwill. Because you've just taught them more than they'll ever learn from any of those things. And you did it in about five minutes with a walk down the street and one big juicy tomato. That's what you can teach kids with gardening. And it'll also teach them about building community. And if you think about survivalism, one of the things we say is, if the shit really hits the fan, if it really blows up around us, we're not going to be able to make it alone. We're going to have to know how to reach out to others. We're going to have to know how to form community. We're going to have to know how to barter. We're going to have to know how to exchange. Just plant that seed. Plant it in your garden. The next one that I think makes great sense to grow with your kids is either potatoes or carrots. Or really, you can do this with radishes, too. You can do this with any root crop, anything that really grows underground. And what that teaches our children, and what it should teach us, is what you don't see matters. You think about a carrot, right? You see these little stringy leaves, and they're kind of cool and all, but they, they look pretty much like a weed, you know, wild wild uh, carrot, queen anne's lace is pretty much how we eat. It's everywhere. And uh, you look at it you go, that doesn't really seem that important. That doesn't look like it can provide for me. Smells kind of cool, but if I eat it, it doesn't really taste very good. Think about a Potato. The potato plant is deadly nightshade. You eat the potato plant, not only is it not good, it'll kill you. It's poisonous. You get this plant that keeps getting bigger and bigger, and you keep hilling dirt up around it, and the plant gets bigger and bigger, and finally it gets a few flowers on it, and then it dies. What, what purpose does this serve? This doesn't nourish us. This doesn't provide for us. And you grab the top of the carrot and you pull it a little bit because they're actually pretty hard to pull out and you get it started. And then you put that little hand on it you say, keep pulling, Johnny, keep pulling, Susie. And they pull it out and there's this 7-inch long, beautiful carrot that comes out of the ground. And most kids even like to eat carrots. That's the beauty. Even kids that don't like, I don't like broccoli, I don't like beans, I don't like this. Carrots are sweet. you probably find a way to cook them if they don't like them raw that will make a kid eat a carrot. It's one of the easiest things in the world to get a kid to eat his vegetables is a carrot. And there it is, right out of the ground, and you never saw it until you pulled it out. You think about a potato. That plant dies. It's ugly. It's yellow. And you start opening up the ground. And there's not a potato there might be hundreds of potatoes. There might be three or four bags of potatoes, a bushel. It was all produced by this plant that didn't seem to matter. And you start teaching them that, hey, when you look at people, when you look at things in life, and you think that that person's insignificant, if you think of that act is insignificant, what you don't see, what's under the surface matters. And again, I defy any of these kids' books, any of these, these little you know nonsensical musical things. To try to teach these things. To teach that the way that one father can with a son, or a mother with a daughter, or vice versa. It doesn't matter. There's no gender there. It's just about the fact that you care more about your kids than anybody else in the world. And when you teach them that lesson, and when you show it to them, and you let them put their hands on it, and feel it, and know it, and realize it, And you go inside, and even if your kid doesn't like roasted potatoes or baked potatoes, remember, go ahead. You know what? Live a little. Cut that sucker up and make french fries from your backyard. But reinforce, hey, remember the plant was dead. It looked ugly. Now look what you're eating. You see that? What you don't see matters, Johnny. Remember that. done. You've taught for the day. Right? One of these lessons at a time. And then another one I think is really cool to grow with kids, and so this is kind of a challenge unless you have some space, but you can grow smaller varieties as pumpkins. Pumpkins take a long time, 120 days for some of them. But there's a lot of reward in a pumpkin. At the end of the season when you cut that pumpkin, instead of going to the store and buying a pumpkin for a jack-o'-lantern, you have your own. And kids like to make jack-o'-lanterns. Either you're drawing a face on them or cutting them open and carving them one way or another. Kids look forward to it. It's entertainment for them. So what we can learn from the pumpkin is that we can create our own entertainment, that the earth will provide our entertainment, that we can provide as a family a form of our own entertainment. You know, we have iPods. We have Game Boys. We have all this crap today. We have the Internet. We have all these things that when I grew up, we didn't have. And they're not bad things, but they've taken over reality. We have to find balance again. And that can be a step in the right direction. Something as simple as a pumpkin. They're also something that stores very well. So we can teach the storage lesson. We can do that with the pumpkin. We can do that with the potato. We can do that with a lot of the other crops as well. Beans. We can plant some shell beans, not just the green beans. And show how we can dry them, put them in a jar, stick them in the the, the shelf, and they're there for us. And we can stop and eat them later on. You can learn that from the pumpkin as well. And a pumpkin is a great one to teach saving seeds with. Because you can pull all those seeds out of there, clean them up, put a few aside to grow next year, roast the rest of them, and create a snack, and show that we can create our own snacks. Now this all sounds a little bit maybe cheesy or something to some of you out there. Let me tell you. It's not. This is one of the most manly subjects I could ever talk about. Because it takes a man to stop doing the things that are distracting and take a child and teach them things that are going to last for the rest of their lives. So those are the five crops. Well, What about the five general lessons we learned from gardening, that I promised you? Well, here they go. Number one, food doesn't come from a store. Our children, we have two generations by now, that really believe in their intrinsic mind, in their intrinsic soul, food comes from a store. You eat food, go to the store. That's where it comes from. They don't even get that it grows anymore. They might have a biology class, they sort of know that. I mean, if you ask them, where does a tomato come from? They probably, probably could tell you, well, it grows on a plant. But in in their mind's eye, food, store. They don't get that somebody sweats. Maybe somebody bleeds from a skinned knuckle. That somebody does hard work, maybe 3,000 or more miles away, so that when they sit down, they can be told to eat their vegetables. That somebody out in California toils over a hill so it can be sliced thin and turned into that McDonald's french fry. They don't get it anymore because we stopped teaching them. It's not their fault. Children are like a computer when they're young. They take information in faster than any other time in their lives. We control the inputs, folks. It's up to us to make sure that these things get put in. We can't just blame society. We have to take personal responsibility. And that's one that we can teach them. And we teach them that with a garden. Because when you sit down with your family, With a couple cobs of corn that came from the backyard, some potatoes that came from the backyard, a garden that came from the backyard, and if you're hunters, maybe some deer meat that you harvested in the field, and you really say, look, on this table, 100% tonight, we did this for us. We made this happen. This is 100% produced by us in cooperation with our garden and in cooperation with the woods. That will teach them food doesn't come from the store. You can show them a documentary about how hard our migrant workers work and try to teach them some kind of tripe. Or you can just show them. You can make them understand that they can do it for themselves. Another big lesson that we teach our children is that there is life... In a seed This is an expansion on what you don't see matters You think about the way a seed looks If you've ever opened a packet of corn Seed corn that you're going to plant in the ground It's shriveled up It looks dead It looks like there's there's no way that life could come from that Look at a lettuce seed It looks like a little piece of hair A celery seed So small you can barely see it But you put it in the ground, and you give it what it needs, and life comes out of it. You teach a kid that there's living life force all around you. That it can work for you, and you can work for it, or it can work against you, and more importantly, that if you're not careful, you can be working against it. There's life everywhere on our planet. And you learn that when you put a seed in the ground and it turns into something. Think about how tiny a corn seed is in comparison to a corn plant. Think about how tiny that little tomato seed is. Uh, one of the huge indeterminate varieties of tomatoes that by the end of August, you, you're, if you wanted to, you have staked it you know, eight feet into the air. And the bottom of the vine is, is bigger around than, than, than two man's thumbs put together. And there's a You know, a hundred tomatoes on the planet One time But it came from that little seed Because that life force was in there And if we extinguish the life force If we don't care for the seed properly The life will never come It's a huge lesson Again, one at a time though folks It also teaches our children When we garden to see the earth as a provider Not as a resource I cringe when I hear words Like natural resources And Again, you know me, guys. I'm not a tree hugger. I'm not one of these people that believes that you are a toxin generator because you admit CO2. But I also understand that if we don't value the planet, if we don't value the things around us, if we don't see our place there. See, a resource is something you take from. You go to it, you take it, you go to it, you take it, you go to it, you take it. Any real resource, if it's actually a resource, sooner or later runs out. If something is a provider, that means you owe it a debt of return. That was a lesson that the Native Americans understood greatly. There are tribes still in South America today that when they decide, okay, we need to cut a huge tree to build a canoe, for instance, when they go out and they cut the tree down, the first thing they do is they apologize to the tree for cutting it down. And then after they cut the tree down, they say a prayer to thank the earth for giving them the tree and again to apologize for taking the tree's life. We have the arrogance to call those people heathens, and then we'll take a machine and strip a thousand acres of woodlands bare in a couple days without a second thought. Who is the heathen? When you teach your children that the earth provides for you, but you have to put something back into it, you instill a morality that's being lost in our modern world. But again, one at a time. You also teach them something that's being lost on our world heavily today. The value of hard work. Hard work has its rewards. People today try to avoid work, not seek it out. Back when I was a kid, My uncles and his friends, they were all blue collar workers. My uncle worked in a steel plant making uh, stainless steel sinks, you know, forming them, doing undercoating on them, things like that. He'd come home sometimes cut from his work because it was dangerous because the steel cut him. But he made a good living doing it. He had friends that were construction workers. They would go out on the road. They would run a jackhammer. They would run a backhoe. They would run a simple shovel. My dad, before he started building his own business, was a construction worker. He started out as a teenager. And he went out and he worked construction. And he worked his ass off. But back in like 1967, 1966... You were able to earn enough money to take care of a family with a shovel in your hand. And no one said, oh, look at that guy. He's a bummy. He didn't go to college, you know. God, look, at. he's out there killing himself every day. That's a crappy job. People say, oh, you got on working with who? What construction company? Wow, how much overtime are you getting? 25 hours a week. Holy crap, you're making good money. Good for you, young man. Good for working so hard. And now, what do we teach our children? You don't want to do that. Look at that guy over there. Look at that Mexican pushing that lawnmower. That sucks. You don't want that to be you for $7.50 an hour. And you don't want it to be you for $7.50 an hour. But why do we not want it to be us if we actually value hard work? What happened to the status, the nobility, Of the hard-working blue-collar man in America. It's been killed. It's been destroyed. And it's not just a product of the environment. It's a product of mentality. People have decided that's true. We've started, if you teach a generation something and they teach another generation, it becomes a reality. It becomes fact. Who's teaching our children to work hard anymore? Who's teaching our children the word hard work with anything other than a book behind it? Hard work. Study hard. That's hard work. No. Sweating is hard work. And I'm not saying that knowledge is bad. I love knowledge. I'm on a quest for knowledge. But hard work matters, and it does have a reward. And gardening is hard work. In spite of every book you've read about how carefree and easy your gardening will be, if you really garden, you're going to have to sweat. You're going to have to bend. And sometimes your muscles are going to ache. You're going to have to get up off your butt and go water your plants in the middle of the summer heat when you really don't want to. Because if you don't, they're going to die without you. It's hard work. But... You get to sit down at a table with your family and know that some or all of the food on it you put there. That's a huge reward, and it's because hard work does pay off. Hard work does matter. And then the final lesson that we teach our children, you can take care of yourself. You don't need the government to take care of you. You don't need somebody else to take care of you. You don't need to be dependent on anybody. You can take care of yourself. Jules Dervais says that growing food may be the most dangerous occupation known to man. Because when you grow your own food, you realize that you can be free. You have another plan. You have another way. And you don't have to do the things that you hate. You don't have to allow things to occur to your nation that you don't want. You don't have to give in because you have an option B. You can take care of yourself. Think about it this way. You're being abused at work. I mean verbally abused. Treated like crap. Underpaid. Working your ass off every day. Trying to do the right thing and not being appreciated. Told that you're stupid. Told that you're worthless. And constantly having more and more work lumped on you and you're broke and you're in debt and you have mouths to feed what do you do you might look for another job but until you find another job you endure it you end up in the same job you don't really know how you got there but sooner or later it just kind of happened that way you got a new boss or something you're being abused you're being told you know that you suck you're being lumped more and more work on you're doing your boss's work for him and being mistreated you're underpaid, no one gives a damn about what you're doing, but but you have $50,000 in cash saved up, you have no debt, you have a paid for house, how long are you going to take that? Because you have another option. Because you can take care of yourself. When we teach our children how to produce their own food, we take that message and we put it in them very early, you can Always take care of yourself. There is always another way. There is no reason to sacrifice your principles, the things that really matter to you. You must uphold your moral code, whatever it is. My code and your code may be different. And I may look at what you do and say, I wouldn't do that. You may look at what I do and say, I wouldn't do that. But that's okay. But you better damn well not look at your mirror in the face. You look at your face in the mirror at the end of the day and say to yourself, I wish I had lived today differently because you go to bed with yourself every night. And you better be able to care for yourself and to care for those around you so that they're not dependent on people that don't really care about them that use them as a power play. That comes from a garden. I mean that. I believe that. I'm telling you that because I care. Because I want you to now take these lessons and start teaching the children around you. Even if you don't have your own children. Teach a niece. Teach a nephew. You know what? If you're a homeschooler and you get together with other homeschoolers, put together a few gardens in your community. Start teaching these lessons in your homeschool curriculum. If you know children anywhere that you care about and love, see if you can start to teach these things with a garden just a little bit at a time. It's important. It's the future of our nation. When they say the children are the future, they put it in sappy songs and other bullcrap, But it is true. Now, let's go back to what I started this out with about what we, would, you know, what we would want our children to grow up to understand. I said we would want them to understand that they need to make sure that they have a source of food and water. Well, gardening produces food and you can't do it without water. Check. I said we want them to be self-sufficient. Half of what I talked about today was a message of self-sufficiency and how to get there. We'd want them to have a plan. Good luck gardening without a plan. Good luck teaching a child to garden without accidentally teaching them the plan. We'd want them to understand responsibility. If I have to explain that after what I've said today, I I don't know what else to say. And we would want them to understand that what they do matters. Four foot by four foot with six inches of dirt can teach them all of that. That's as little as it takes. A tomato to the hand of an elderly woman from a six-year-old child will put that in their heart. It will never go away. It is absolutely the most foundational way to take a child and link them to the reality that everything around them is interconnected and that what they do actually matters. It's a great way to teach. And what you'll learn when you start teaching, and what I've learned by doing this show and the teaching I do on this show, you will learn the most. When you are doing the teaching And My final thought On this show today Is the same thought That I gave the last time I did it I think it's one of the most powerful things in the world If you can really begin to grasp it And understand it And harness it And put it in your own heart And make it part of your own life And your own relationships With the children in your lives And that is, when you plant a seed with a child, you plant a seed in a child. So go out. Break the ground up. Get some dirt on your hands. Get them under your get the dirt under your fingernails. Take the little ones with you. Get some dirt on their hands. Teach them these lessons, one lesson at a time, across the entire growing up experience. You'll plant seeds in their heart. It'll stay with them for the rest of their lives. And you'll do things with them that they'll never forget. And even when you're gone, you'll still be there teaching those lessons, standing over their shoulder, Saying, yep, you got it right this time. This has been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. It really doesn't matter.